All right, well, certainly good to be back with you this morning. Uh, by way of introduction, my name is Brian Chandler. I had the opportunity of being here with you in October, so now that I'm back for the second time, I'm not a guest, I'm just one of you now. How's that? So that'll give us the freedom to preach and the liberty there. But certainly good to be here again. Uh, good to have my wife, Tracy, and our two boys, Hayden and Logan. And uh, if you're not aware, I'm uh, Jim and Sue Miller's son. So again, it's good to be here this morning. I currently serve as the associate pastor youth at Grosses Creek Baptist Church in Chilhowee, Virginia. So again, it's good to be with you this morning. I'm a little bit nervous getting up here. Everything from the beginning said, well, the children were supposed to sing. They're not. They were going to sing tonight. They're not. Hey, I had trouble this morning. I got it all right, and I'm settled, so I'm just wondering what's going to happen now. So uh, I'm just going to trust the Lord. But one thing I'm confident of, when God wants to do something special, he'll try to stir things up to get us off track. So we're just going to trust this morning that God has something special for us. And as we open up his word this morning, I just pray that you're here for no other reason than just to worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank you, choir, for preparing our hearts for worship this morning and just bringing us into his presence so that we can freely worship him this morning. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. This morning we'll be looking at the parable of the ten virgins found there in Matthew chapter 25, the first 13 verses. But I first want to set the context of the parable. You see, it's part of the Olivet Discourse given by Christ begins in Matthew 24 and runs through Matthew 25, and it's the Lord's own, own sermon on his second coming. Jesus said, I'm coming again, and as believers, we know from God's word that Jesus is coming again for the church at the rapture in the air and the twinkling of an eye before the tribulation, then after the tribulation with the church for his millennial reign. And like us, his disciples had a question, and their question was simply, Lord, when are you coming again? And Jesus answered that several times throughout Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, he said this, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. In verse 42, he said, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And in verse 44, he said, Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. And then in verse 50, he says, The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour he, that he is not aware of. So now as we roll into Matthew chapter 25, we certainly understand and see that the Lord is coming again. And if you will, take your Bible and let's stand for the reading of his word as we look at the first 13 verses of Matthew 25. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. 
And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know ye not. Verse 13, Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. But if we back up to verse 10, we see, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And this morning I want to preach a sermon simply entitled, Be Ready. Let's pray before we get into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, I trust that we've come to meet you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, as we open up your word for just a little while this morning, Lord, I just pray that for each of us we would find our place in the message, Lord, that we would ask ourselves, what is it you'd have for us today, Lord? Lord, I thank you for the power of your word and your word alone, Lord. I just pray that I would get out of the way, Lord, and just allow your word to come forth. And Lord, just illuminate my mind with those things that I've studied to prepare for this message, Lord. But more importantly than all things, Lord, may your word just have power to reign freely in this service this morning. And Lord, we pray again that you just meet with us in a special way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin to study out this parable and we see the setting here, obviously we understand, beginning in uh, verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So as we see the setting of the parable, it's obvious to see that we're talking about a wedding. And as was customary in Jewish weddings, a wedding in a village or a town was probably one of the most significant events that was to take place. I mean, they didn't have iPads, they didn't have iPhones, they didn't have Netflix, they didn't have all these things to entertain them. So if there was going to be a wedding, man, that was the entertainment. Everybody wanted to get in on that. Everybody wanted to come to that time of celebration. And as we come to this point in this time of celebration, obviously I want to consider how did they get here? Well, the decision to marry between a husband and a wife in Jewish custom was not between a man and a woman but was left up to their fathers. So the fathers would get together and decide, you know what, that would be a pretty good family for them to marry into. Hey, that family over there, that'd be pretty good. So they would arrange for their children to be married. And the young man and the young woman, they would actually get engaged or enter into the contract, but that contract was one that was signed by the fathers. So the fathers entered into a contract for the children to be married, and again, the whole basis was who's a good family fit? Who do we want to marry into? And as we see this custom begin to unfold here in the parable, after the engagement came the betrothal or the exchange of vows. They're married or committed to one another, but they couldn't consummate the marriage. So after this marriage, it would be sometimes up to a year before they could actually uh, come together and live as husband and wife. So during this year period of time, you have what's called the time of preparation. It could be that the husband would go and learn a trade. Perhaps he'd prepare his house. He's setting things in order to come to take his bride. And the bride would prepare herself to be a mother, to uh, wait for her husband and come, or wait for him to come and take her to his home. And as we enter in here in verse, or chapter 25, verse 1, we begin to see the emphasis or the focus here. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So obviously the emphasis is not on the bride or the church. It's not on the bridegroom, which in the Bible we understand is the Lord Jesus Christ. At this particular parable, it's related to those ten virgins or bridesmaids, if you will. And as we consider the number 10, why is it so significant? The 
nothing in the Bible that doesn't have significance. And the number 10 was utilized because it took 10 men to constitute a synagogue, 10 men to bless a marriage, and so it would seem fitting that you would have 10 virgins here prepared for this marriage celebration. Now, as we consider the word virgins, obviously we're just talking about young women uh, who were not yet married, and for the bride it would be those that she was familiar with or acquainted with. It perhaps was a dear friend or a cousin or a sister. It could be any number of those individuals who made up the wedding party. But as we look at this, it says that they took their torches. Now, as we consider them taking their or lamps, rather, it is another word for torches. So they didn't just take lamps, they took torches. And these were long sticks with a wire at the end to hold a cloth. And they would dip that in the oil, and it would be that oil that it would allow it to burn. Now, can you imagine being at that wedding? You know, we see bridesmaids come down the aisle now, and they're carrying bouquets. These ladies were carrying torches. I mean, they were ready for the celebration to take place. So as we see that, obviously they went forth to meet the bridegroom. So they had a specific knowledge of the bride. I mean, the bride's not going to say, hey, I'm just going to take anybody to be one of these ten virgins or these bridesmaids. They had a specific knowledge of the bridegroom who was coming to meet them. But at this point, we really don't see any distinction between those ten. You see, the ten are listed there, but it doesn't say anything to say some of them were short, some of them were tall. It doesn't say some of them were light-skinned, some of them were dark-skinned. It doesn't make any distinction between those. It just simply says that these ten virgins were together, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. But as we continue to read forward, we see a great distinction is going to be made between these ten virgins. As we look in verse 2, it says this, And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And that's where we begin to see a divide between the two. Of the wise, it says five of them were wise in verse 3, that they were foolish, took their lamps, and took no oil with with them. But verse 4, took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So what was the difference between the two? What was the characteristics between the two? It says five were wise. Those that were wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, and five were foolish. Now, If you look at the word foolish, it comes from the Greek word moros. And that is where we get our English word moron. So if you want to look at it in context, you could say you had five that were wise and you had five morons. So that's the distinction that's made. So as we look at these five wise and these five morons, what separated them? What made the distinction between the two? It had everything to do with the preparation that's what made the distinction again as we look there in verse 3 we see that the foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps you see it would take oil to be prepared because what do we know we know that they're waiting with the bride for the bridegroom to come we know that as they wait they took their lamps with them we know speaking of their lamps that we're speaking of a torch a torch that had a rag on the end and a wire on the end, and it would require oil in order for that to work. And as we compare that in a parable, and if we think about what is a parable, a parable is nothing more than an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So what is it that the Lord would have us to gain out of this parable? What is the message that he has for us this morning? Basically, it's this. Don't be a moron. 
so nobody wants to leave church and say, hey, I want to identify as a moron this morning. It has everything to do with preparation. You see, for Christians, the only way you can ever be prepared to meet the Lord is to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. There are a lot of people today who are carrying around a Bible and saying, I'm a Christian. Carrying a Bible does not make you a Christian. There are a lot of people today that say, you know what, I'm in service every time the doors open. Being in a service does not make you a Christian. It's not about being in church. It's about being in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then you'll be prepared. But as we consider this parable this morning, and as we consider these ten virgins this morning, we have to look and see how this story continues to unfold and ask ourselves, where are we this morning? The Bible says in John 14 and verse 6, Jesus, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, the time to be prepared is now. If we're sitting here this morning, and if we truly believe the word of God, then we must not doubt that Jesus is again. Jesus is coming again. But the question is, do we live like he's coming again? Do we live like he's coming again? I'd say for many of us, the answer is no. In fact, I want you to flip back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, begin reading in verse 36. In verse 36 of Matthew 24, it says this, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the, the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. We often have a head knowledge of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, yet we don't apply that to our life. In fact, many of us are just like these virgins that are mentioned here. Look what it says in verse 5. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Now, if you'll go back and you'll remember, we said there was a distinction made between these virgins. We said five were wise and five were morons. The five that were wise, they were prepared. They were prepared to meet the bridegroom. The five that were foolish were not prepared to meet the the bridegroom that's the only distinction that's made it would be as if all of us are gathered into church this morning and we're all sitting here with all a head knowledge that jesus could come again but the reality and the question is this are you ready to meet him if he were to come today and we can't say you know what i have a head knowledge of the lord jesus christ that won't allow you or make you ready to meet him you have to know that the Holy Spirit of God indwelleth in you. You have to know that there's been a time in your life when you said, Lord Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And then when we call upon the name of the Lord, that's when we can be assured of salvation. 
If you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, you know, I think so, I hope so, maybe so, can I tell you, that's what a moron would say. Not because of trying to be disrespectful, but just through the word of God, of not being prepared. But as it speaks, it says they all slumbered and slept. That's speaking to church, those that are saved. It doesn't say the ones that weren't prepared slumbered and slept. It says everybody, all of them, were slumbering and sleeping. As we think about that and we consider that idea of slumbering and sleeping, obviously in the context here, we know that this celebration or the bridegroom's approach could be something that could take up to seven days. And oftentimes it would happen in the evening hours after the work had been completed. So uh, they would have their torches, obviously, for this nighttime festivity or this event that was to take place. And during that wait, all of them slumbered and slept. And the word slumber simply means to doze. It's the idea of relaxing or nodding due to inactivity. I am a picture of slumbering when it gets at night. I can be sitting in the bed having a conversation with Tracy, and she can ask me a question in the middle of answering that question. If I get still, I'm totally gone. I'm slumbering. I'm sleeping in an instant because of that inactivity. But the message for us is this. Our churches today are slumbering, and they're sleeping. And you know what it results or is a result of? Inactivity. Inactivity. That's what causes you to slumber. That's what causes you to sleep. It's that inactivity. You see, if we possess a knowledge that Jesus is coming again, and we know that at that time there will be a distinction between heaven and hell, why are we at a point of slumbering and sleeping with inactivity? Why are we at a point of saying, well, you know what? I'm glad I got it. And leaving it just at that. As we continue to read on, we see it in verse 6. And at the midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. When the cry came, go out and meet the bridegroom. They all began to prepare to go and meet the bridegroom. But if you'll remember, the distinction between the two was in the preparation. Only those who brought oil were truly prepared. As a Christian, only those who possess the Holy Spirit of God are truly prepared to meet him one day. And at that time of death, it's too late. It's too late. And as we consider these ten virgins, again, from an outward perspective, they were all doing the same thing in the same manner. They all began to trim their lamps and prepare to go out, but only five possessed the Holy Spirit to keep the torch burning. Only five had that possession. Speaking of the foolish virgins, John MacArthur uh, made this statement. He said this, he said, I think it adds greatly to the power of this parable that the foolish virgins are not reprobates, they're not drunkards, they're not fornicators, they're not slanderers, they're not atheists, they're not even agnostics, they're not anti-Christ, 
They're not the forces of hell. They're not demon-inspired. They're not involved in the cult. They're not irreligious, profane, outwardly ungodly. No, they're in the church. They're in the family, but they have no real relationship to God. They have no true prayer life. They have no genuine fruit. They have no real good works. They have no true appetite for God's word and God's will. And the whole of their or profession is to satisfy the eyes of men rather than to please the one who sees in secret. Now think about that for just a moment. It's easy to sit and make a distinction to say, well, it would be easy to pick out of the ten virgins those who truly know the Lord and those who don't. But the reality is that distinction, they look just like us. The only difference is what's on the inside. See, we have a whole lot of people that are simply playing church today. They want to be in the church, but they've never made a true profession of faith. They want to possess the things of Christ, yet they've never yielded their lives to Christ. They have no desire for the things of God. They have no desire for a prayer life to get in God's word. They just find themselves going through the motions so they can satisfy the eyes of men. If I were to go around and ask today in the areas in which we live, are you a Christian? Do you believe in heaven and hell? The answer overwhelmingly would be yes. The reason the answer is yes is because it's acceptable, not because they truly believe that there's a heaven and a hell. Because if we truly believed that there was a heaven and a hell, and if we truly had a heart on fire for God, we would live as if today could be the day he's coming back for us. We wouldn't be in a state of inactivity. But then becomes a point when it's too late. The wise said, go, find your oil of those that sell. And as they went, we would see that the bridegroom came. Verse 9, but the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather unto them that sell and buy for yourselves. Verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. At the time it was ready, you could have gotten it, but now it's too late. I'm convinced of this. I think one day there's going to be people in hell, the reality of hell, and in their mind is going to play over and over opportunity after opportunity that the Lord gave them to be saved. And they'll recall, man, I didn't have to choose this eternity. I could have had an eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember that time at Tennessee Avenue, and there was a guy that came, he was preaching on the ten virgins, and he said, you know what? The difference between being a wise and being foolish was preparation to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. He made it clear that without the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. He said, you don't have to think so, hope so, maybe so. It is a no-so kind of salvation. But when the Holy Spirit of God lives within you, it will be evident. You cannot be possessed by the Holy Spirit of God and have no thought, desire, hunger for things that are not of the Spirit of God. 
So you cannot possess the Holy Spirit of God and think that, you know what, things of church, they just don't appeal to me. You don't have the Holy Spirit of God living in you if you don't hunger for the things of God. But what a sad verse. The door was shut. The door was shut. Think about the reality of that. The opportunity has passed. Today is the day of salvation. Verse 11, afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. In John chapter 9, verse 31, we're reminded, Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, he doeth his will, he heareth him. Are you ready before the door shuts? Are you ready before the door shuts? So my first challenge to you this morning is to simply ask, do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again? And if you believe that he's coming again, what if he were to come today? Are you prepared to meet him today? Not because of the works that you've done, not because of how spiritual you are, not because of all the Sunday school pins of years and years of never missing, but because you know there's been a point in your life when you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to save you. And on that alone and on his basis, you know that you have salvation. My first prayer is don't let the door shut until you know for sure that you've been saved. And then church, if you're sitting here this morning and you say, man, in my spirit, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, that I can truly know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved. Can I say it's time to wake up? Let's go back and look at this. It says that as while they waited on the bridegroom, verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. All of them. Now, do you think it was obvious the five that didn't have oil with them? Do you think it was obvious? I mean, you see five that possess the oil and five that don't. It would probably be pretty obvious, at least during that seven-day period at some point in time, to think, you know what? They don't have the oil. I could take an opportunity and just share with just one of them. I could take an opportunity just to say, hey, do you know what? It sure would be nice if you'd be prepared when the bridegroom came. Let me help you and show you how you can be prepared for when he comes. But instead of just reaching out to one, they all slumbered and slept. They all slumbered and slept. Verse 13 closes with this, and this is where we'll close the message. Watch, therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And as we looked in verse 10, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Be ready. Because you do not know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we close the message this morning, Lord, I just thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the clarity that you give us just in uh, earthly stories with heavenly meanings, Lord. I thank you for 
being able to open up your word and look here at the parable of the ten virgins, Lord. And as we prepare our hearts now, Lord, for the invitation time, Lord, my first question that I'd like to ask those that are seated here this morning is, do you truly know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you have trusted him and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if he were to come today, you're ready to meet him? Lord, my prayer is that you would begin to convict that spirit even right now, Lord. Draw them unto yourself, Lord. Make them uneasy in their seat. Lord, just give them just the boldness to step forth and come and let us show them from the Bible how they can be saved, Lord. And Lord, for the church, Lord, as we gather this morning, I would just ask that is there someone on our heart or mind that, like these wise virgins, Lord, those that are close to us, that they would draw in, those that they knew, acquaintances, family members, friends. Lord, are we doing all that we can to make sure they're prepared or are we slumbering and sleeping? Lord, forgive us when we fail you, Lord. Just draw us and allow us to be more like you in all things. So, Lord, as we have this invitation time now, I just pray that you'd move amongst us, Lord. Just allow us to do business with you. Lord, there's no greater joy that can be experienced than the joy of salvation. Lord, I just pray that there be a soul here that needs to be saved. Today would be the day before the door is shut. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 